this, and, and, and this, this preemption, and that is the fact that you have this issue uh, where you can't make a decision for or have any leverage on how much affordable housing or units can go into a development. We're almost time for the break. <laughs> Ties your hands, man. Ties your hands. Yeah. So, hey, but- listen. Uh, we're going to call her. If you're hanging on the line right now, hang tight. After NPR, we'll come back to you. We'll get you. Promise you that. Promise you that right here on the Sunday Forum. Lynn Hartek, folks. Lynn Hartek right here on the Sunday Forum. We'll be right back. WMNF Tampa, this is the Sunday Forum. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Giles Snyder. Former Vice President Mike Pence says the potential prosecution of former President Donald Trump would be, in his words, politically charged. NPR's Dave Mistich reports on Pence's comments after Trump claimed yesterday without evidence that he expects to be arrested on Tuesday. Mike Pence has recently stepped up criticism of Trump's role in the January 6th riots. But when it comes to a possible indictment related to hush payments to porn actress Stormy Daniels ahead of the 2016 election, Pence has come to his former boss's defense. The idea of indicting a former president of the United States is deeply troubling to me. Pence made the comments after a political event in Des Moines Saturday. He said people have a right to protest should Trump be indicted. But he also said they should remain peaceful. There can be no tolerance for the kind of violence that we saw on January 6th or throughout the summer of 2020. Pence is widely expected to launch a run for president later this year. And Trump is set to hold the first rally of his 2024 campaign later this month. Dave Mistich, NPR News. A lawyer for Trump says his social media post was based on media reports and a spokesman says there has been no official contact with prosecutors in Manhattan. Russian President Vladimir Putin has made his first trip to the occupied Ukrainian region of Donetsk since Moscow's invasion last year. A day after being indicted for war crimes by the International Criminal Court, Putin traveled to Crimea and visited the city of Mariupol. NPR's Charles Maine says more from Moscow. This trip seemed like a stage-managed event for Putin to highlight Russian efforts to rebuild Mariupol, which of course uh, was destroyed by Russian forces in the battle for control of the city last year. You know, it also seemed a little bit of a response uh, to President Biden's trip to Kiev a month ago, uh, given that this was Putin's first trip to these newly occupied and in theory newly annexed territories since the start of the war. Leaders of Kosovo and Serbia have agreed to work toward ending the tense situation between them. That's threatened to break out into violence in recent months. Terry Schultz reports a European Union broker talks have made uh, normalizing ties a prerequisite for joining the bloc, which both countries want to do. EU foreign policy chief Joseph Burrell welcomed the agreement to implement parts of his proposal, which call for the two sides to accept each other's official documents and symbols and to maintain good neighborly relations. This is not just about Kosovo and Serbia. It's about the stability, the security, the prosperity of the whole region. The agreement does not explicitly call for Serbia to recognize Kosovo's sovereignty, which Belgrade has refused to do since Pristina's 2008 declaration of independence. But if further talks succeed, the deal being implemented, it would prevent Serbia from blocking Kosovo's attempts to gain a seat in the United Nations and other international organizations. For NPR News, I'm Terry Schultz in Brussels. And from Washington, you're listening to NPR News. California Governor Gavin Newsom has announced a deal that would make insulin more affordable. The state has entered into a 10-year partnership with a generic drug manufacturer that could cap insulin prices at $30 for a 10-milliliter vial. Newsom says the deal is aimed at pushing down prices that have more than tripled over the past 20 years. There will be a new champion this year in the NCAA men's basketball tournament after Kansas was eliminated in the second round this weekend. Greg Eklund reports. The eighth-seeded Arkansas Razorbacks shocked number one-seeded Kansas 72-71 to to advance to the Sweet 16 Regional in Las Vegas. Razorbacks coach Eric Musselman has more than 200 career wins but says this one is hard to top. That's as great a win as I've ever been a part of. Um, again, because of the, the history of Kansas, because of uh, 
some of their veteran players that were part of a championship team last year. Kansas played without its head coach, Bill Self, this postseason because of a medical condition he suffered ahead of the Big 12 tournament earlier this month. For NPR News, I'm Greg Eklund. Kansas is the second top-seeded team to be eliminated from the tournament. The first was Purdue, which was stunned Friday night by Fairleigh Dickinson University. FDU now faces Florida Atlantic today with the winner earning a spot in the Sweet 16 at New York's Madison Square Garden. The women's tournament got underway this weekend with first-round games yesterday. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from IFC Films with The Lost King. From the makers of Philomena comes the story of an amateur historian who believes she has found the lost burial site of England's notorious Richard III. Only in theaters March 24th. This is NPR. This is Marla with the WMNF Community Announcement. The St. Petersburg Science Festival is an annual regional celebration where families and the public can explore the wonders of hands-on science, technology, engineering, art, and math, also known as STEAM. The event will be held in conjunction with Marine Quest on Saturday, February 18th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the USF St. Petersburg campus in Pointer Park, 140 7th Avenue South, St. Petersburg, Florida, 33701. WMNF is a media sponsor and will have a table at the event. To learn more, visit the website at www.stpetesci.org. That's S-T-P-E-T-E-S-C-I-F-E-S-T dot O-R-G. Hey, Ed, you want to play What If? Sure. How do you play? Easy. Just imagine something that you'd like to see happen. Like having it rain tacos on Tuesday? Or how about a four-hour block of folk and acoustic music on WMNF? You don't have to imagine that. It's happening every Sunday morning, starting at 10 a.m. with Postmodern Hoot Nanny, hosted by me, Ed Lehman, featuring new and exciting Americana music along with classic folk favorites. And that's followed at noon for two hours with the Acoustic Peace Club with me, Jeannie Holton, and Nathaniel Cox, featuring the best of folk and singer-songwriters with great topical songs and music that matters. Get your four-hour fix of folk music every Sunday starting at 10 a.m. right here on WMNF Tampa. What about my Taco Tuesday? This ain't the Food Network, Ed. Hey, it's Lindsay from the Caribbean Cruise, where we play all Caribbean music from the classics to the latest. Every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. here on WMNF 88.5, online at WMNF.org or through the WMNF mobile app. Well, hello. This is DJ Spaceship reminding you that every Sunday at 9 p.m., tune into the Righteous Temple of Hip Hop. Music with a message with the Temple crew and be inspired. The Righteous Temple of Hip Hop, more than just music, it's inspiration. It was 60 years ago that the Beatles released their first album, Please, Please Me. To celebrate, WMNF is putting on a tribute to the Beatles' 60 years, 60 songs. All at Skipper Smokehouse, Saturday, March 25th. Seventeen bands will do their renditions of the Beatles. You'll hear rock, folk, blues, jazz, rockabilly, punk, bluegrass, ukulele, reggae, and more. One thing I can tell you is you got to be free. Come together right now. Over me. It's the 
WMNF tribute to the Beatles like no one else can do. 60 years, 60 songs. Saturday, March 25th, Skipper Smokehouse, doors at 5, music at 6. Information and tickets at WMNF.org or 813-238-8001. Now you are tuned to the Sunday Forum here on WMNF Community Radio Station. And your host is Walter L. Smith. My name is Patrick Mobili, and we're here with Lynn Hurtak. And we're taking your telephone calls. There's a lot on your mind. 813-239-9663 is the number to call to join this discussion. Laying back, relaxing, cooling out with my man Malik B. We call him Slaxing. You know what I'm saying? We in a We're back on the Sunday Forum on WMNF at 8.5 FM. And this is the sounds of the roots and mellow my man. Mellow my man tip. We gonna set it like this. Yo, check it. Bust it, lottie, lottie. Who likes the party like Slick Rick the Bula? I'm cooler than the ice brick. Catfish ain't got me. Okay, okay, dude, I can't find the right song. Okay. We're yeah. going to find a clean version. We'll be right back with you. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. But we but are happy. It is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it is one of our favorite Dope. songs. What they call it. Yeah, dope. We'll be right back with that one. But anyway, let's go to the phone lines until until we get that one right. Uh, line one, let's go. Go ahead, call. You're on the Sunday Forum. Okay, it's me checking in. Oh, yeah, it's, still, it's me. Who is me? Who is me? R-O-N to the G. Okay, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. What's up, man? Hey, ain't too much. I'm just using my government name as required. Yeah. But... Uh, I just wanted to call in because you're having a great uh, discussion and it's uh, on some very good points. And uh, I missed this point last week when I called in because, you know, so many things are going through your head. But I wanted to mention this uh, when they were talking about uh, spending $36 million on uh, the park over there. Felt. I used to play at Felt. Yes. That's where I learned how to play at over there, amongst other places in the city. And that reminds me, West Tampa, I played Riverfront, I played up uh, uh, East Tampa, different places. So what I wanted to say was this. I saw a pattern, and maybe nobody's looking at it, and the lady that's in there, uh, she sounds very uh, intelligent to this point that she'll understand this. There's a pattern where uh, I used to see uh, things happening over the city, and I didn't understand what was going on. Like, in Central Park, when it was still Central Park, they came in and they built a skate park on the other end of it. Uh, like the southwest end of it. They built a, a, a skate park. So I was like, who skates in Central Park? So, you know, it was other people came over there and skated and skated and skated. Now Central Park is gone, and the skate park fits right in. Okay, now we can skip over to West Tampa where they had Boys and Girls Club, and they built it right there on Rome Avenue, and they took out Riverfront Park, and they put a new park in for the kids that go to Tampa, U, University of Tampa, it's all fenced in. they got like a private basketball setting there. And so I was looking. I said, the Boys and Girls Club just moved before they tore down all the people, all the projects, and all the people got dislocated and moved. Now there's a whole bunch of new people in there that's going to be using those things. So I'm looking at the $36 million. Is they going to move all the people out and then put in new people? See what I'm saying? And you're just looking at, oh, yeah, they're just going to be nice. No, it's not like that. There's a pattern here. And like the young lady so eloquently put it, there's no grocery stores there. There's no training facilities there. There's not job opportunities for the kids in that community or the people that's growing up there. So it's like a, a lot of wasted money and a lot of wasted time. And then when you mention this stuff, it's just like you mentioned about the uh, uh, community policing, which I studied that. Yeah, that's a good thing. But what happens is uh, people come in administration, they take that out and they put in what they want to uh War on drugs, war, et cetera, et cetera. So when it's a big problem and issue, then we come in, well, we'll, we'll go back and do uh, 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 some uh, thing, procedural stuff that we always do, like 
black community. But, you know, see what I'm saying? So we're going backwards, like he was saying, Walt, trying to discuss something that has already progressed because we used the wrong implementation from the first point and from the onset. Right. And that's where it's flawed at. And then the, these people come in and know where the flaw is at, so they just take advantage. They don't care that the flaw exists. They don't, they're not interested in that. They just keep moving communities and people and destroying our country because they want to. And they, they act like spoiled little kids when you go to the table with them. So I just wanted to drop that on the table today. And uh, to add on to that, 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 that the former uh, person that ran the country, number 45, said that I heard a statement saying he wanted to take Florida and turn it into, like, Dubai, where we have cities that uh, have flying cars. So where do we fit into that? Where do we fit in at? <laughs> so I'm saying, we don't fit into that one right there, brother, at all. I can tell you that right there. Before I go, you know it. You intelligent enough to understand this, and we do need this. Okay, so you're going to turn it to a space. You can't stop these people with just talking and even your actions anymore. So why aren't we training our kids to be building the space products? The baggies they got to use, the stuff got the straw, the straws they got to use. Why are we not trying to get the money and put it into the community and build facilities that support that and, and allow us to make some of those trillions of bucks they finna spend and waste right in your face? Ron, there, there are two things, two things that, that, that have to be considered here. And I, I got I got to say it, got to say it, brother. And one, one is in business, we have got to change the way we do business, number one. That's number one. Um, and, and, and we've got to change it to the point that we are, that we are the producers and not just the uh, consumer. consumer or... Um, the one, and, and, and even in doing business with, with the consumers. So when I say that, I mean we buy from somebody who produces, and then we put it, then we put it on the market. You get what I'm saying? Yes, um, yes, so, so we we have to begin to um, to get the resources and structure our, ourselves so that we're doing things differently from that perspective. The the problem that we face is that the banking industry is not giving us and has not historically given us what's necessary in order to make that happen. Now, now, there are there are programs and there are things that exist and, and understand something that you know, we talk programs and we have a governor right now who's who's destroying programs right now, uh who or has a plan to destroy programs, but let's let's just deal with what we have right now. What we have right now are programs that do exist that can help us to do that. But first of all, like you said, we have to recognize that it has to happen, right? We have to recognize it personally. Yeah. So that, that's a matter of taking agency uh, as far as that's concerned. And, and, uh, and I, I would rather take agency than to, than to necessarily depend on, on government or anybody else for that matter to do anything for me. As far as that's right. concerned, you know, you get what I'm saying. But where, yeah. but where it's necessary for for us to get that help, then you know, we we should be able to get it. But uh, it, it's something that we have to we have to change the way that we do things, uh, and, and and we also have to change what we will accept. Yeah, as, number one, as, number one, yeah, uno. yeah. We gotta we gotta we have to change the things that we will accept that will happen in our communities and won't happen in our communities, and we have the power to do that. But we've not we've again we've not practiced it. We've not practiced it again. Taking agency for where we are and what our capabilities are. If, if, if we if we say um, you're not going to take our shut our pharmacies down, uh, then okay, so they're not going to shut our pharmacies down. How, what do we need to do in order to stop that? You get what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, there yeah. has to be an outrage. There has to be an outcry about that. And I don't, that, that's not happened as far as that's concerned, which is why we have a health desert regard, with regard to that, and to a medical desert as far as that's concerned. But uh, I digress. Point, the point being, uh, that's just an instance of what I'm talking about, but I think that we, we've got to, uh, we have to take agency and take control of what's happening in our communities, and, and that's the only way that we're gonna we're gonna really change. That, that. That's correct, Walter. It, 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 there's a movie I just watched this weekend, perchance. It, it was called Ninety Nine Home, and it's mm -hmm. about the homing, the crisis in the homing, and how the banks 
was just exploiting the people in the homes and yeah. taking their property and how realtors was just kicking people out illegally. It's a good movie, man. But the Is that the one with Anthony Mackie? I, I don't know which uh, channel I was just flipping through. They don't even know if it was Pluto. You know, they got so many channels. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, right? And I'd be up for somebody just click it. I'd go, oh, that sounds, looks good. Let me check it. I read this. So it's <laughs> called 99 Homes. Homes. I'm yeah. gonna go check Is it out. Anthony Mackie's in it? I don't know, but yeah. I'm gonna check oh, it I out. You were looking, I thought you were looking at it. Yeah, you, Mabile, let me know what you think because I think that's what's happening here. And it, it's about they just took the property, resold it. And remember, they was letting people get the $400,000 loans, and then they said they couldn't afford it. And that was just a, a, a scam, man. Like mm-hmm. an actual scam. They ran on a whole bunch of people. And so now, like Sister Connie Burton said, two things. She always says, we need to be self-sufficient. I 100,000% agree with that. And the other thing is somebody needs to be watching the hen, the, the hen house because these people just running over everybody and people are distracting us to the point where we can't function. Okay. Careful, Looks like we lost them. Minute, yeah. But uh, Lynn, uh, the callers, the housing shortage is on their mind. And uh, one emailer wrote that these properties need to be publicly owned and not owned by developers, but owned by the community as well as grocery stores and the food in the food deserts. Uh, and Gary Gibbons wrote us, reminding everybody to vote, vote, vote. And he said, uh, "Souls to the polls and vote early." He said, uh, "Early voting is from April seventeenth to the twenty third, and the last day of vote is election day, April twenty fifth. But because of these election laws, these very oppressive." New suppression, voter suppression laws. It's important for people to vote early if they can. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I do appreciate that email, and uh, you can email us at wmnf uh, dj at wmnf dot org. But yeah, yeah, no, um, I appreciate uh, Gary reminding all of us about election day, which is April twenty fifth, and uh, definitely. Um, Come try to get out early. Early voting will be the same locations uh, that it was during March and February. So um, we're hoping to get that out. But but to go back to the issue of housing, I, I don't disagree with the person who emailed in that we need to keep those lots. Uh, and that's with those 32 lots on that list. We were talking about the fact that we're, we're um, trying to develop a community land trust that would do that very thing to keep those lots in um, ownership of the city. Uh, we're, we're working on that with um, the West River Project. It's actually being owned. We own. We still own this land. It's a 99-year lease. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the land is owned by the city of Tampa, and I would love to see that go into a community land trust, too. Um, there, there are a lot of different things that we can do. I know, like I said earlier, we're talking about possibly moving some smaller apartment complexes into a uh, like co-op purchasing model, they've done they've done so successfully in cities, um, other northern cities, and but but it's just all of that's new here. Like, how does that work? How does a co-op model? We we just it's traditionally not something that that folks here are used to. No, this is in Switzerland. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> well. I mean, that's that's the thing. We are all of a sudden. I say all of a sudden, although we've been we've been building up to this, but all of a sudden we are we're just dropped into this. Everyone's coming here, and now we don't have enough housing. We didn't have enough housing before, and we certainly don't have enough housing now. And what are we doing? We can't build fast enough. We just can't build fast enough. Right. But we need to be intentional with what we build and how we develop it. We just overall in the city we we were not prepared for this. And uh, staff is working tirelessly to get us there. But unfortunately, with everything that involves government, it takes time. But it doesn't mean we can't be talking about it and, and thinking about the different types of things we can put together. Like, uh, like I said, that, that um, 100% affordable housing apartment complex that's coming in, that's the first, uh, first um, one that that developer was able to get within the city of Tampa because... It's all about finding the right land and then cobbling together, you know, federal funds, city funds, state funds, like grants. It's it's a lot of work to do that. And what can we do as a city to encourage developers to build these 
uh, houses that will then stay within the the ownership of the city, the land at least. Uh, it's just a different model. It's not the same traditional American dream that you think of. You think of the picket fence, the individual <laughs> house. It takes some convincing. <laughs> well, and but that's the thing now. We we've become a more urban city, and yeah. we we. Things the, have changed. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only answer if is if we're going to continue to build like that is people are going to be moved out into the county. And I don't want people to leave the city of Tampa. This is their city. Yeah. It was called the greatest place on earth. It's by Time Magazine. Right? I saw that. <laughs> well, I saw greatest. One of the greatest places in the world. Greatest for who, though? Exactly. That's a good That was point. my first thing I thought. And, I, I, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that we're getting the attention. But we can't just look at things that are being built for people who are coming here. We need to think about how we spread that wealth, right. how we spread that to every community. Right. Well, every I, part of Tampa needs to see that. Yeah, you're right. And, and, but see, let, let, me, let me be clear about this point. <laughs> the primary numbers, and they know the, prim- the demographic, demographically speaking, they know who these numbers are. The primary numbers that we're looking at is is and that they're catering to is white America, young white America, that is uh, that is coming out of whatever college, or whatever, expecting to make at least six figures. If right? they're coming out of college, they're already ahead. Right, <laughs> right, and that, and that's and that's what's happening now. Now, so they're making six figures coming out of college or whatever it is, or. Um, they're coming from New York, or you know, places up north and things like that, where this is this is commonplace. It's not unusual for them to see this type of thing happening. But we're creating an atmosphere for that type of thing, and that's what I think. That's what we're making the biggest mistake is that we're catering to talent that's coming from out of town and coming in town, and and even developers who are coming from somewhere else that are not a part of this culture. They know nothing about this culture. They don't care about this culture. They don't care about any of it. And they build to suit whatever the hell they want to build to suit to. And wherever it is that they're accustomed to, wherever they're coming from. And that's just not going to cut it. One wonders if the propaganda in Florida is really reality because a lot of people come here and say they feel remorseful for moving here for because of the high costs. Uh, they were thinking about no income tax, no state income tax, but there are other issues that they hadn't thought about. You know, the high housing costs for one. So, and the fact that this is a this is not very competitive when it comes to the uh, the uh, the minimum wage. You know, it's not really a livable wage here in Florida. So, I mean, we we used to be an affordable city. And because of the housing and uh, um, inflation, we just, we aren't as affordable as we used to be. And unfortunately, that's happened in such a short amount of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so rents have gone up, but wages haven't gone up. Right, right. Commensurate. I, I mean, so. Commensurate to anything. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, in, uh, we we tried to to let the voters decide on whether um, rent stabilization was something that th- that the city should look at, and uh, that didn't pass. Um, you know, it did pass in Orlando, and now we're kind of watching what's happening with that, and, of course, the state is preempting. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Yeah, so... But, so we're here. Yeah. We're here. We get it, right? But, but it's... Uh, you know, we have to figure out how we can um, bring the jobs that will help people... Uh, right. afford housing and then try to lower the cost. But how do you do that? Right. How do you lower the cost? You can't, you can't mandate private entities to lower the cost. We can incentivize them to do so when they build. Right. Uh, we can offer, um, the city can offer incentives. We can, we can give money. We can, uh, but the, the bigger concern with these developments that are catering to um, a folks who who have more money. The privileged <laughs> is the services that are there. Who's going to work there? 
Mm-hmm. Who's working in? And we're not. We're not. That's exactly right. Because what? if you have a coffee shop, I mean, your barista's not going to drive an hour. Right. No. And mm-hmm. and if they do drive an hour, they're not going to do it for long. No. Mm-hmm. They're going to find something closer. something closer to where they live, and so that actually impacts the businesses that are there for having to retrain staff, search for staff. So it's actually benefits everyone if we have the ability for mixed incomes in every neighborhood. Right, right. And Mm. I think people look at it from a housing perspective, but if you also look at it from a business perspective, they, uh, if you are a a single, I mean, if if you own a small business, having to spend so much of your time searching for talent and then retraining talent. Right. That that's not sustainable. No. You know, there's a Cornelius Cosentino who wrote it saying he's waiting on the line talking about a a program that would help home ownership. Well, let's hear what he got yeah. to say. We're gonna play some music oh. too. Get this big this thing. Go ahead. Out, so. can, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, we can hear you. Okay. Well, uh, we looked at this. I'm in a small think tank called Camelot, Florida. Uh, we're becoming good. It's a not for profit. It is a independent it is uh, all volunteers and we're here in the Tempe area we looked at this and we said we went to um, one of our representatives and we sat down with him we said uh, Michael he's now a, a I think he's now the um, judge here um, and we said why don't we um, pass legislation that allows uh, improvements on property to be tax exempt for seven years. That means a young couple can go into any community, especially the communities that are going down, which the only people who buy property in that are slumlords. And, and a young couple can buy a house and then any improvement, whether it's a uh, uh, adding additional uh, space for their children, adding additional rooms for their parents, grandparents, and so forth, or even adding room for rental property um, or rental units. Uh, all those improvements are tax-deferred, okay? And that means that... Um, and we presented it to a group, example, over there in West Tampa at the library. And some fellow got up in the back and said, well, you know, the people in Bell, you know, they'll, they'll put an Olympic swimming pool in their house and it'll be tax exempt. Well, my answer to that was, well, who cares? Because your added value, uh, you put people to work, they're going to pay taxes, they're going to buy stuff. But that's not really what the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to get go into communities and let people buy a property uh, and then make improvements and have the tax deferred for seven years. Now, whenever you do something like that, there's always going to be people that come in and try to beat the system. So you, you put some caveats on there. You say, well, you can't improve it uh, up to three times the original per, you know, to have it tax deferred three times worth the original price that you paid for it. Because, for example, someone buy a uh, uh, an acre of property with a with a trailer on it and put a million-dollar house in front of it, put a walkway to the trailer and say, yeah, I just made an improvement on the property. Well, that, that doesn't hack it. But if someone does want to make some major improvement, they'll just get tax deferred up to that three times the original price of the property. Well, what does that do? Well, you could say, well, you know, when you make any improvement or extension on your house or whatever, then normally you have to wait until you get a, um, what they call a certificate of occupancy. Someone comes to make sure that the, everything was done properly and according to code. Okay. So once you get that certificate of occupancy, okay, then you're okay. Um, in this case, what we're looking at is when... A young couple goes in, and I'll use the term young couple, that instead of paying $2,000 a month in rent, they're paying less than that to pay off a mortgage to, you know, to pay for this lower income, you might say lower valued house, but they're putting their money into equity into the house. 
Now, the seven years is interesting. Originally, we said five years because we found out that typical homes in Florida roll over in five years. So we said, well, let's make it seven years. And that prevents the people who flip homes. You know, they just go in and they, but there's actually nothing wrong with that. But it would be up to whoever makes the final decision on uh, what we call value-added tax-deferred. Okay, value-added tax-deferred, VAT-T, VAT-D. Value-added taxes in Europe, uh, they add value on tax as a product is developed and then when it's finally sold, it's called VAT tax. Well, this is a, you're adding value to um, homes, okay, low-income homes, let's say homes that nobody would go in there and buy because why would you buy a home in a, a community that's going down? And then when it gets so bad, then the bulldozers move in and wipe out the community. That just doesn't work, and that shouldn't work that way. We should have legislation. Well, what happened to that legislation, okay? Going back We're getting too deep into the woods here. But, but let, let, me, let me just say this. Uh, I think that what you're saying works well in communities where, well, it works well work in any community, truthfully. Especially when you're doing gentrification, and 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 basically what you what you described to me, while there are all these tax deductions and and and, and tax benefits that exist, uh, and, and incentives, uh, the bottom line is what what it amounts to is gentrification, because the only people that are going to take they're going to take advantage of that are going to be people who are not from that community, and they're going to come in and they're going to do exactly what's what's been done before. Uh, to give you a perfect example of what I mean, uh, let's let's talk about the 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 um, various programs that people who are outside who have been outside of West Tampa waited on forever for West Tampa to depreciate, and they waited and waited and waited. They waited to give us a CRA just so they could have we could have these issues that we have to deal with in West Tampa, uh, and and now we're we're fighting like hell to try to find ways to to deliver, to try to come up with something that's going to happen that's going to help the people of West Tampa, uh, the, the people of West Tampa, not the people who are coming into West Tampa, but the people of West Tampa who've been there, who've suffered through this stuff, and, 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 and these things have not worked well. Uh, programs have been snatched up under them, and no matter what tax incentives have been given. And so now for the first time, now we have a CRA, but the CRA's hands are tied on so many things because of preemptions and things like that that have kept us from being able to put money into programs because it used to be that you could put money into programs in CRAs. But now you can't put money into programs. You only put money into actual building or, or purchases and, and things of that nature. Um, and, and, and little events that, you know, that events are nice and everything, but they don't do anything for a community uh, except maybe bring revenue into a community if you're lucky enough to put to, to have that kind of uh, response. But the point being that when you're talking about purchasing a, a property, a, long, a young couple, as you say, purchasing a property and getting taking advantage of the tax credits and things that, that come along with that type of stuff. Like well, tax, tax, yeah, tax deferment. Yeah, yeah you know, who, who's going to take advantage of that? Certainly not the people who were there. They've been trying to take advantage of that type of stuff. They can't. That that's not that's not what we need. What we need is relief for the people who are there currently. Well, there's got to be a lot of solutions. This is one, and the point being is that you're going to um, improve property. Okay, you're going to make homes uh, recover or communities recover because who loses in in a in a situation where it's back uh, tax deferred? No one loses. Absolutely no one loses. Who loses? Everybody wins, okay? The community wins because now whoever owns property in that community that you can now defer improvements, okay, their values of their property are going to go up. So they win. The, the young couple that goes in there puts in sweat equity, bills, uh, you know, improves the property and so forth, they win. The city wins. The state wins because all that money that goes into improving uh, pays taxes. You have to pay taxes on wood and, and paint and all the construction material and so forth. And you put more people to work. It, it's a win, win, win. No one 
to my knowledge, loses. Now, there's some people who will say, well, you know, if we defer taxes on improvements, that means that we're going to lose ad valorem taxes because the values would go up. They're absolutely right, except, except after seven years, then it turns around or the property rolls over. When the property rolls over, it's obviously going to roll over at a higher price because of the improvements. So the city wins in the long run, and, and uh, there's absolutely no uh, loser in this, in this um, how would you say, in this um, tax deferment proposal. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for your for your insight. I appreciate it. Uh, let, let me just, just Miss Arte, go ahead. Uh, you know, the the caller is talking about uh, folks buying land and fixing it up, but uh, the East Tampa CRA is doing a, a pilot project that would actually allow folks um, pre development money to try to to say, hey, we own this land. But we don't know what to do with it. So right now, their only option is to sell it. But with this pre-development money, they can explore different options for what to do with that land and then possibly connect with developers to help fund it. But they still own that land. And so that actually helps with uh, generational wealth in the long run because folks aren't having to sell that land. They're getting help with trying to figure out what to do with it. Well, I tell you what, that's we need we need to we need to decompress here. Let's decompress. Okay, y'all ready? <laughs> Let's do it. Ready, on Billy? Yes, sir. All right, what we got? Let's get Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald. Yes, keep forgetting. Yes, <laughs> the man who has the main ticket to the barbecue, baby. <laughs> Michael McDonald. Keep forgetting. Right here on the Sunday Forum.
the drum the drum beat and the the uh the guitar man yo i gotta learn both of those that's my bucket list right there i gotta learn i'm gonna play that for my wife <laughs> record it i want to hear that yeah there you go yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna play it right here on wmnf that's what i'm gonna do uh, let's go. Let's go to the line real quick, and then we're gonna play some more music. Let's go directly to your question, sirs, ma'am. Yo, hey, you know, how you doing there, uh, Brother Walt? All right, how you doing? I, I'm fine, fine. I've been listening to your guests and stuff, and and and, and, I, and, and we, we what we have is a counterproductive, uh, you know, uh, argument that's going on here. You can't have talk about uh, um, housing. You can't talk about you know uh, legacy and and uh, uh, generational wealth if you have uh, 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 talk about include if you talk about exclusion to inclusion and then what we have when we have a governor that comes around here and then we want to exclude diversity all these things tied into dental we want to ex- uh, into into generational wealth we want to exclude history. In our, in our in our schools in our school system, and we also want to stop people from voting, and that too affects our neighborhood. I, you know, you just think about it like this: you know, being a healthcare provider, you know, we have all these different body parts in in our in functions and cells within our body, and you know, at any point, any place within the body, uh, a cancer can develop, and if this cancer develops. It affects the whole body, regardless of what we're trying 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 to do. You know, we look at this. I just tie something in here that just recently happened here. We have a uh, uh, think about this. A, a governor that turns around and we have House Bill nine 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 or whatever right. you want to call it that wants to exclude uh, 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 the the black fraternities. Now think about this, man. Who are in these fraternities and sororities? People who are in college, and who are these people made up? Folks who would be into the middle class, people who would be uh, uh, the, the, what Carol Anderson, those who were ambitious, those who have goals, those who refuse to be subjugated. And so, when you exclude this, this sort of thing, who are your target? Think about this as a larger targeting of a black middle class. And then you want to run here and talk about, you know, well, we need to do something about housing and education and those, you know. We better start looking at what and and and, and you're, it, looking at what's going on on here, you know. And then we have also <clears throat> um, we got the, the violation of women's rights. Okay, we have here uh, where where folks bring a prescription into a pharmacy, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, I don't feel comfortable filling your birth control medications anymore. Think about that, brother. Mm-hmm. That has to do with family planning, you know. That is a large percentage, and 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 and, 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 and you're going to exclude, you affect women's health by denying them access to health care. And now you want to talk about, you know, building a city and, and, and generational. Who, who do you think of these things are happening? So we have to look at these things in the big picture. We have to, and I and I just recently wrote an article with it. You know, with the norms, of course. It we dealt with a young man, and I've been tying this these issues to uh, 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 to South Africa, where we are in apartheid. And there's a very interesting article written by a gentleman at, at the at the uh, University of Missouri Law School named Ben Zingle, Z I N K E L, and he talks about what's happening here in this country in terms of the relationship of Jim Crow laws and apartheid laws. And now that's what we're, we're we're headed. We're right down that path. Yeah, we are. Talks about we are. exclusion and and also a, a, a exclusion. But he also comes with and this is a young white guy. And he comes up and says, you know, one of the remedies to that is we need a truth and reconciliation commission. And another remedy to that is we need reparation. I'm right, saying, my right. God. Well, you so know what? Let's uh, uh, point this out. That's a that's a good point, Doc. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, let, uh, let me um, because. We we have, um, we have uh, um, we have to consider that uh, Tampa, while while diverse, is still very segregated, right? Um, 
economically, racially, ethnically segregated. The policies that we have allowed to have happen through the city have continued. It's almost like we ignored that fact and continue to ignore that fact um, with with the policies that go through, that continue to go through the city. Even as a member of the of the, of the mayor's advisory com, uh, committee for uh, environmental issues, there are some very serious issues that surround frontline, but what's identified as frontline communities, so much so that we've had to make a distinction amongst frontline communities as being underserved frontline communities and frontline communities. Because if you take Bayshore where the mansions are, that's a frontline community. Why? Because it's on the water. It is in danger, air quotes. However, they are, they are financially able to rebuild, to redo, to to uh, they, they have they're resilient in that in that standpoint, but well, on the other side you have the underserved frontline communities that are not resilient. Why? Because of the sustainability tiers, they are failing in just about every single one, economic, socially, and um, uh, environmentally. And the social part is the part that is the biggest issue there, because for generations this has been something that's been beaten into those those people who live there. So what what are your thoughts on that, man? Um, I don't disagree. Um it's it's a matter of what city council can control and what we can't control. And you're right, we can control um the parameters of those types of things. We can't control what's happening with the governor. Mm-hmm. Like we absolutely can't control that. Doesn't mean we don't need to pay attention to it though. And and we do and that's why we're looking at redoing some land development code and and while we're doing that make it more inclusive so folks can can have input to that can we sue can we sue the state we can, can we, al- we can always sue the state we can always sue the governor we can so then why don't we you get what i'm saying yeah because it's like it's like when i see things that we know are unjust mobility when i see things that don't work when then that means to me, that says to me, you know what? No, we got to take a stand. We got somebody has a spinal cord and say, you know what? No, we're going to sue. Well, they, I mean, people have been suing. So mm-hmm. like the the woke act, you know, that's on hold right now because mm-hmm. people sued. Okay. But the, the issue is right now in Tallahassee, they're just talking about ideas until they actually put legislation in. We can't sue. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait for the legislation and then you have to find an aggrieved party and then you can sue. But can we? Absolutely. That's actually what we're talking about doing with um, SB 64, the rule that would require us to take our um, wastewater and, you know, have mm, a, a, the, the beneficial reuse. Right. Well, what we're saying is if we can clean it up more and take more nutrients out, it could still be a beneficial use for the bay. Right. Uh, and, you know, I've talked to, to uh, environmental folks and, you know, we've talked about this before that taking that water away from the bay isn't going to make a huge difference. Right. Well, and so so then what we're saying is that that bill, which, you know, the city went up and lobbied for, mm-hmm. we, we could sue. And that's what um, Council Member Carlson keeps saying from the dais constantly, we need to sue, we need to sue. And um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are things we can do. We can, we can try to lobby to change the law or we could sue. That's what man Bill thought. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, so, so right. we can. So, yeah. so things that are, that are put upon us that affect us, we absolutely can. Um, obviously, that's, it's, it's not the preferred method because that takes forever. I mean, to go through the whole right. process and then the appeals. But absolutely, uh, when it comes to things like that, I don't see why we wouldn't sue. Because those, uh, if you're telling us that we're going to have to spend up to $6 billion to fix something that environmentalists say is not even a problem for Tampa. Now, might it be a problem for other areas? Sure. But every law cannot fit every community. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's the issue that we're looking at. That, okay, are there other communities that are dumping actual sewage water into the bay? Yes. Yes. 
uh, and they do it slightly regularly. I mean, St. Pete is St. Pete's had a real problem with their wastewater, but by and large, we don't. By and large, we have done a good job, and we're we're ahead of the game thinking about the types of of issues uh, that would create better uh, wastewater discharge. Um, obviously, the the Tico issue in the Hillsborough River, nonwithstanding, um, and we're working on that. Like, how do we prevent that um, to hap- from happening again? And we're taking it very seriously. But I don't disagree. We we absolutely, when we look at things that happen from the state, is it fair? Is it just? What can we do to combat it? And yeah, lawsuits are one hundred percent one of the things we can do. Yeah, we did get an email early on, Lynn, that I think is probably a good time to ask it right now. Could you name some life-affirming jobs, jobs that don't destroy the planet? There are a lot of life-affirming jobs. Yeah. I mean, you can... Honestly, electricians, plumbers, teachers, Mm -hmm. there's a ton of jobs out there that are... that don't destroy the planet that people can can do to help uh you know scientists all the the issue though is we need to make jobs more accessible and then have the opportunity for growth within those jobs mm-hmm. uh one of the greatest uh things that that I know about are um some of the apprenticeship programs that uh some of these, like plumbing, carpentry, that they they uh, allow for folks to learn a trade while also working and getting mm. getting a wage. And that's I, I like to look at that as an opportunity for other types of job growth too. Uh, and we don't think of it that way, but when you when you start entry level at a spot, maybe even say this radio station. If you were to come here and start with whatever basic entry-level job, and then while you're here, you just mm-hmm. you pick up more things. You learn this. You learn that. You, you're interested. Oh, wow, I want to know how this works. And then yeah. you slowly work your way up. So that's an apprenticeship in a different way. We don't call it apprenticeship, but you're learning on the job. Uh, but we need more of that. Yeah. And But how many kids know that they could come in and... And take an entry level job at the radio station. Right, right. exactly. Those those are rare opportunities that people yeah. typically don't know about, and and that's what we face with our kids in in black community primarily. Is is I, I hear them like, how do you do that? How do you get that? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, man, let me talk to sit down. Let me talk to you, and I, and I tell them is that all the time, every chance I get. So well, listen, Robert Neff wrote in and said, be a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We need more. Yeah. We do need more nurses. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. So listen, Lynn, thank you for coming in. We should appreciate it. Of course, anytime. Yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. Um and we're gonna let's see, what we're we gonna do, Mobili in the meantime. What we gonna Oh, I know Mobili. Let's play. Let's go to Puerto Rico. Right? Okay. Um Dia de Oh, El Dia de Mi Suerte. Um, by uh, Willie Colon. Okay. Willie Colon. Okay. Let's see if we can find out. Listen, let me tell you. Weirdest song ever. Best beat known to man. But I guess I guess back then, during the days of La, La Fania um, in, in New York, man, things were, were kind of rough. They used a lot of drugs back then. Woo! And so, uh, you know, what the, the, the good times were the good times, the bad times were the bad times. And I think they kind of Mixed them all together. And this this is about a man who's who's had some rough times, but man, the beat. <laughs> I tell you, I, I I never understood that. But it, let, let's play it. Willie Colon, El Dia de Mi Suerte, right here on the Sunday Forum. And stay tuned. Host Martin Hoot Nanny is coming your way next here on WMNF Tampa.
para comer 